Welcome to the Mom with Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Aubrey Malik, and my mission is to help service-based entrepreneurs scale their business. I'm a mom and a former teacher who launched my own business with no business background, and now I want to help you do the same. In this podcast, we will share inspiring stories, tips, and tricks to help you maximize your time and profits. Think of this show as the kick in the butt that you need to push your doubts aside so you can chase down your dreams. So put in your earbuds and turn up that volume and let's dive in. Hey, hey friends, welcome back to another episode. I cannot wait to share this interview with you. It is 1000% gold. I will listen to this episode again and again. You will just love it. I cannot wait to even like get into it. I just want to jump right into the episode. But before I do, I'm going to introduce our guest and give you a little preview as to what we're going to hear about in the episode. But if discovery calls are something that maybe you don't feel that confident about or you're not sure what to say or you're not sure how to move on to that next step of, hey, let's get a proposal going and a contract and an invoice sign. How can we get dollars to the door? Then this is the episode for you because I have a very special guest. Nikki Roush on the podcast and she is the queen of selling but she's also just the queen of making it seem like asking for that sale asking for someone to hire you is not that hard she simplifies it she gives away so many great little one-liners or words that you can take directly from this podcast and start implementing in your discovery calls today we touch on everything in this episode from how to feel confident on a discovery call, what questions you should ask, how to keep your discovery calls 30 minutes or less, what to do if someone has sticker shock, all of the things. This is a must listen to, stop what you're doing, grab your pen and paper and get writing because Nikki drops so much knowledge, you do not want to miss this. So let me go ahead and introduce our guest, Nikki Roush to you. She is just one of a kind such a kind person and she just gives away so much valuable knowledge you do not want to miss this. So after 25 years of experience selling, Nikki Roush decided to trade in her road warrior status so she could help entrepreneurs sell in a way that builds relationship, creates true connection, and results in more closed deals and long-term clients. Now as a sales coach, author, speaker, and founder of Sales Maven, Nikki transforms the misunderstood process of selling into techniques, tools, and tips that can be successfully incorporated into a duplicatable process by anyone whose livelihood relies on selling a product, a service, or themselves. When she's not helping business owners move their clients along the selling staircase, which we will get into in this podcast, Nikki enjoys taking in all the beauty that living in the Pacific Northwest affords her. You guys, let's go ahead and dive on into this interview with Nikki. It's going to be a good one. Nikki, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for inviting me and I am super excited to get this. this uh, I feel like I'm getting like one-on-one time with you, so this is fun. Yeah, I've had the privilege of listening to Nikki speak twice in the mastermind that I'm a part of. So her knowledge is just gold and you are in for a treat today. And I cannot wait to talk about discovery calls because I know that 
a lot of freelancers and service providers, they struggle with this. It's something they get hung up on. They're worried about getting on the calls. And Nikki is like the go-to of discovery calls and pitching the sale and everything like that. So I'm so excited for you to share that with us. But before we dive on into all that, I want to give my listeners a chance to get to know you more on a personal level, share a little bit about who you are and how you got started in the online space and all the good stuff. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. So my company is Sales Maven. I started my business in late 2013 and it really happened as a result of getting to spend time around all these amazing entrepreneurs that as I got to know them, a lot of them were struggling with the sales process. And I have a corporate sales background. I was in sales. I've been in sales actually for 25 years. Um, I'm also a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. And if that's a new term to anybody listening, it's really the study of communication. And I have a pretty extensive background in NLP. And so when I decided to start my business, it was really as a result of meeting all these super cool entrepreneurs that were struggling with the sales conversation, not really sure how to recognize buying signals, not sure how to walk somebody through a well-done discovery process, these types of things, things that I'd been doing for years and years that kind of felt second nature, but... I knew that if I could teach people how to do them, that it would make an impact in their business. And so my business was born out of that. I've been doing it for seven years. I primarily work with um, women and I focus with people around the world on the sales conversation. So I have clients that are all over and really help people. I teach my five-step process. It's my signature framework. It's called the selling staircase. How do you move somebody up the stairs so you get to that place where you exchange dollars for services? And the discovery process is often where things start to fall apart for people. And that's step three in the process. So if you fall apart in step three, you never get to step four, which is the proposal and step five, which is ultimately the close where you exchange dollars for services. So I love what I do. I have had the best time ever and I get to work with the coolest people as a result. Yeah. Like I said, I've listened to you talk before and it's been just such gold. It's helped me in my process. So I'm really excited for you to walk us through that selling staircase and how to go from, you know, that one step to the the next. I love how you talk about it as a staircase and also um, just how we can better ourselves on these discovery calls. Because like you said, if you fall apart there, then we're not getting to the next step, which is of course how we have a successful business by signing on new clients and, you know, trading those dollars for services. So I would love for you just to kind of go into a little bit about your selling staircase so that you can share that with my listeners. Okay, good. So the first step is the introduction step. And that's where somebody's being introduced to you for the first time, or they're being introduced to the work that you do. And the idea of the first step is to make sure that you're establishing yourself with credibility. So making a powerful first impression. So I teach a lot around what are you doing in those for in that first step in that first introduction, whether that's um, that they're seeing you on social media or if they're meeting you at an event or if they're receiving something from you or you're doing like a prospecting call to them. So are you establishing a powerful first impression? And then step two in the selling staircase is once you've made that introduction, you move to the curiosity step. And this is your job is to create some curiosity so that somebody wants to know more. They've got some questions for you and it starts a real discussion, a conversation so that there's this back and forth exchange. And oftentimes once you have created some curiosity, 
what happens next is people start to give buying signals. And buying signals are verbal or nonverbal cues that people give that indicate that they're interested. And once you get that verbal cue or that nonverbal cue, your job is then to invite them to the next step, which is the discovery. And the job of the discovery is to make sure that you're understanding what the problem, the need, the want is, and then asking questions that lead people down the road to hiring you so that you can then move to step four, which is that proposal. And then in step four, your job is to clearly lay out your recommendation as to how somebody can hire you or pay you money. And then five is to issue closed language. So when you walk somebody up the selling staircase, the process of sales, it gets so much easier and it feels more smooth and it, it doesn't feel like I'm having to change my whole personality to try to sell now. Mm -hmm. So it takes that uncomfortableness out of it because you've got some structure to it and it still allows for your own personality, your own conversational approach to happen. So that's the selling staircase kind of in a nutshell. Yeah. And for me, when I started getting on discovery calls, it was, I was nervous about it, but I also felt a little bit better because I've, and I, a lot of listeners have done this approach too. like before getting into freelancing, they try like a network marketing or an MLM where they have to sell a product. And I had done that route too. And for me, it was harder for me to sell a product. But when I felt like when I could get on a call with someone, I'm like, I can sell myself. Like I can, you know, be personal and show off, you know, my personality and things like that. I I felt much better about selling myself. But what would you say for someone who doesn't have that confidence going into it? They're worried about how they're going to sound or what the potential client might, they might perceive them as maybe being a little inexperienced or how Mm -hmm. would you, what would you say to that? Well, first and foremost, in the sales process, I believe that it's your job to put the relationship before the sale. So when you approach the discovery of like, I'm having a real conversation with a real person, I care about this person, and I am invested in seeing whether or not I have something to offer them. And if not, we'll end the call and move on. And if so, then it really is my job to offer them a solution. And so I think when you start focusing on the relationship, it takes less, it takes like some of that focus off of like, what are they going to think about me? And am I going to sound inexperienced? And, you know, are they going to think I'm being too pushy or salesy or any of those things? Because you're so focused on making the experience good for them that you don't really have a lot of time and energy to focus on what are they thinking about you? So that's, that's what I would say from an approach standpoint is really make it about them and their experience so that the conversation goes well. I always say relationship first, rapport always. And I teach kind of the foundation of everything I teach is built on rapport. And I truly believe that you have a rapport bank account with everybody you come into contact with. And your job is to make as many deposits in that rapport bank account as possible because when you do make a misstep or you say something wrong or you have kind of an awkward situation, if you have a balance built up, like people will give you grace. Mm -hmm. But if you go into it without any rapport and you mishandle it, all you're doing is making withdrawals from an account that doesn't have a balance. So now you're in the red, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's not the place we want to be. So if you start treating the conversation about my job is to leave them in a better place than I found them and to make sure that they feel really good about the conversation, then it takes some of that pressure off. 
I love that. I love that you said that too. And also to go into like a little bit more about what I teach, like when you're making those deposits and you're building that rapport, that's going to help that client, whether they decide to work with you or not, if they have a great experience with you, they're going to be the one that will tell their friend who might be looking for that or might be in a different place. They're going to be the one to say, I had this great conversation with so-and-so you really need to reach out to her. So I love that you brought that up because referrals are like the meat and potatoes of our business here. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I find even people who don't hire me often will refer me to somebody that they know, oh, Nikki is the right solution for you. Nikki can help you with this. The other thing when I think about building my business is I do also spend a lot of time thinking about, am I building ambassadors out in the workplace or out in the marketplace for, for me and for my work? Like I truly am committed to helping people be successful because the more successful people are at what they do when they start to implement the things that I teach, everybody around them starts to go like, wow, look at you. Like, how are you doing this? Like how, what happened? Something's changed. You're so much more confident. You're making more money. Like all these things that we all want in our business. And the people who I have done a great job with are much more likely to say, well, I hired Nikki Roush, right? Like I hired this sales coach. She's helped me so much on my confidence and how to put together a proposal, like all these things. And then of course, then those people want that too. So then they're like, well, now I'm going to go hire Mm -hmm. Nikki Roush, right? So yeah, so building that. (laughs) And then I want to kind of get down to like the nitty gritty here. I want to talk about what kind of questions should you be asking on a discovery call and what kind of questions maybe should you not be asking so that it it goes in the direction of either this will lead to a proposal contract, you know, signing on a client, or maybe so that you can kind of figure out, hmm, this isn't the right person for me. Cause I know that you have some great tips for that too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing you want to do on a discovery call is you want to pre-frame what's going to happen. So pre-framing is about creating safety for the other person. And it also sets you up to kind of not take control of the call, but it sets it up so that your agenda is going to happen in the call. So a pre-frame, an example of a pre-frame is you might say to somebody, thank you so much for taking this time to chat with me today. The purpose of this call is for us to find out what's going on for you, see if I might have a solution for you. And then at the end with your permission, if it makes sense for us to work together, I'll offer you ways that we could work together. How does that sound? Like most people are going to be like, oh, that sounds great. I do also recommend that you might even say in there, we're scheduled to talk for about 15 minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour, whatever it is. I do recommend that your consultation calls should be done in 30 minutes or less. Mm -hmm. So if you're spending an hour on a consultation or on a discovery call, it's probably because you're not asking the right questions and you're not pre-framing at the beginning what's going to happen. So you get into this like, well, we're just now just chatting and we never get to that place where we ask all the questions we need the answers to in order to earn the person's business. So you're going to pre-frame first. And then the next thing you're going to do is really think about what are the questions that I need answered in order to find out whether or not this person is a good fit for my business. So I always say all questions should lead to hiring you. And one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they ask questions during a discovery that they don't need the answer to until the person hires them Mm -hmm. because they're already jumping ahead in the sales process, which is a huge mistake. 
it's a waste of valuable discovery time to build rapport, ask the right questions. So think about what are the things that you do that you offer and start to frame questions around it. So for instance, you know, I teach how to create curiosity. So you better believe in a discovery call. I'm going to ask somebody, do you know how to create curiosity when you're talking about your business? So I ask that question because I teach it. I want to know whether or not the person knows how to do it and it plants a seed. Oh, this is something Nikki does. What I don't ask questions about are, do you have a CRM for managing your, your clients? Like, I don't need to know the answer to that until somebody hires me because I'm not teaching about CRMs and I'm not selling CRMs, right. right? So really think about the questions that you're asking and be strategic. If you're asking somebody to fill out, for instance, to get on a discovery call, if you're asking somebody to fill out this huge questionnaire that takes 20 minutes for them to fill out before you get on a call with them, you're probably wasting their time. <laughs> like you're wasting their time and you're wasting the opportunity to build rapport during those questions. Mm -hmm. Most people probably won't take 20 minutes to fill it out. They won't give you an in-depth answer. So like I don't ask people to fill out questions before I get on a call with them because I want that opportunity to build rapport during the, the Q&A. And I always ask questions that lead people down that path to hiring me. Okay. Now this was going to be, you kind of, you answered it because you said you don't have people fill out questionnaires, but would you say even something along the lines of like, what is your budget? Like knowing that ahead of time, because say you, you know, you offer a service that's a little bit more high ticket and someone coming in is maybe just getting started and they aren't at that place. Is it good to know that ahead of time so that maybe you can pre-fame before the call or, you know, just so that you don't waste their time? Do you recommend doing that? So a couple things that I'll say about that is I am a big advocate for listing pricing on your website, first of all, around your packages and your offers. Uh, you don't have to list every single price on every single page, yet if you don't have pricing listed on your website, you're going to spend a lot of time on discovery calls with people who can't afford you and would never pay you. And then you start to question whether or not you can get can you can charge what you want to charge and that you're talking to your ideal clients. So put some pricing out on your website. Like if you're getting a lot of these questions where when you do bring up price, people are like, oh, what? Like something went wrong in the process. They shouldn't have that type of a response. And it's totally okay to ask about budget. And it's also okay to kind of pre-frame for them around the price question. So I often will say, if you were going to do it in a pre um, questionnaire about mm -hmm. budget, I would say something like, let's say they're talking about, I'm going to use sales coaching because mm -hmm. obviously that's what I do. Coaching program with me typically runs between, you know, $500 a month and 3000. What are you looking to invest in your coaching? Right? Like I'm going to pre-frame, I'm going to give them a range of pricing mm -hmm. because I don't want somebody to get on a call with me and be like, well, I was just looking to spend $10 a month, Nikki, right? Like, I don't want to have those calls with people. Right. I don't want to make them feel bad. And I don't also want to like start to go, oh, people only pay me $10 a month for my coaching because it's not true, right? Mm -hmm. So you might pre-frame in there, like give a range for pricing, depending on what type of service that you offer. And it's totally okay to ask somebody, what are you looking to invest? Or do you, what have you budgeted for something like this, Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely ask that question. Okay. It's one of the kind of core questions that I give my clients to ask. Okay, great. I love that. Um, and then you, the other question that I think you already answered too was about keeping the calls 
less than 20 minutes. And that's where you say you're pre-faving that at the beginning as well. That's when you say, you know, we've scheduled about 20 minutes for today's call. That's how you suggest keeping them so that they aren't, they don't run on and on and on and you get this whole person's life story. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I actually say 30 minutes or less. Um, and if you can do it in 20 minutes, great. Like I, I feel like usually within about 15 to 20 minutes, you can assess whether or not this is an ideal client for you. And if it turns out that it's just not a good fit, I would say bless and release those people. So you're not wasting a bunch of time with them. Um, and if somebody is a really good fit for me, I may spend more than 30 minutes, but I'm going to pre-frame at the beginning that we're only going to spend up to 30 minutes because I don't want to spend a bunch of time on a consultation or on a discovery call with somebody who isn't a good fit. And it also helps kind of keep them on task, especially if you have people that are really big storytellers. You know, if you ask them like, what you know, what caused you to start your business or what kind of business are you in? And they say, well, when I was five and now, you know, like, oh my gosh, a big story is coming. Not that there's anything wrong with a story, but stories can be a time sucker. Like it can really eat up a lot of time. And then the other reason why I suggest this 30 minutes or less is because I truly believe you should not be coaching and giving advice on a discovery call. And if you go into an hour with a client or with a prospective client, chances are you're going to start to give away free advice. And often when you give away free advice, you talk people out of hiring you. That's like a mind blown kind of moment there. <laughs> um, because that's, I think something that a lot of people struggle with is because they want to be seen as like the expert and like mm -hmm. the person to get hired. So how do they yeah. kind of navigate that so that they're not giving away too much? So one of the ways to navigate it is it's, it's totally okay to tell somebody like what you're going to work on with them, what you're going to do, what the results will be when they hire you. What you want to avoid is giving a bunch of how. And as an expert in whatever your field is, the how probably comes very easy to you. <laughs> and the how is something that you're like, oh, well, you know, you can have one conversation with somebody and you can already see like, oh, here's a, here's a problem area or here's a blind spot that they may not have awareness around. And sometimes we want to establish ourselves as the expert. So then we want to comment on this blind spot, make them aware of it, it and then give them some piece of advice of how to make it better because we think, oh, well, if I give this person like this nugget that's going to improve them, their life in some way or their business, of course, they're then going to hire me. But I often say it's kind of like your expertise and everything that you bring to the table, it's kind of like behind you and there's this big, beautiful beach. And the beach has all your resources, all your knowledge, all the things that you can bring to the table when somebody hires you. And when you start to coach or give a piece of advice, you give this person like a grain of sand. And to you, you know, that's just one grain of sand because behind me, there's this gorgeous beach with all these resources. It's going to help this person. But they don't know what's behind it. They don't know that you've got a beach behind you with all these beautiful resources. They think that grain of sand is the beach. And then they go, well, that's all you know, Aubrey has to offer. So I don't need to hire her now because she just gave me this amazing piece of advice. And now I'm going to go implement it. But the fact of the matter is, if that one piece of advice could have changed their business, that one little grain of sand could have changed their business. And it was that simple. They would have already done it. 
Mm-hmm. And so we don't want them walking away going like, well, now I can just go do this on my own. Because if they could have done it on their own, they probably wouldn't have been on the discovery call with you to begin with. So you owe them the opportunity to lay out ways that they can really get access to all your resources. So that's why I say don't coach. (laughs) All right. So now we've gotten to like, you know, what we should do on the discovery call, what we should not do. So now we're going to get to that next level of the staircase where how do we invite them to the next step? How do we invite them to maybe send them the proposal, send them the contract, all those things. Yeah. So I do always say you've got to issue an invitation every step of the way. So one of the ways to issue an invitation at the end of a discovery, a well-done discovery, is to ask permission. So you might frame it to say, and this is something I often do, people who've been on discovery calls with me are going to recognize this because I really do walk my talk, the things I teach or the things that I do in my own business. So I might say to somebody, you know, after chatting with you, I already see five areas of ways that we might work together. Five areas of things that we could work on that would make an impact in your sales. Are you interested to learn more about ways we could work together? That's me issuing an invitation and also asking permission before I launch into, because what what sometimes happens in the discoveries, we get so excited. We're like, oh my gosh, this is an ideal client. I could totally help this person. I already see all these ways that we could work together. And we miss this invitation piece. We miss this permission piece. And we go right into sales mode. But people might not be ready for sales mode yet. So ask permission first. Ask that question it's really rare for someone to go like, thanks, no thanks. I'm not interested, right, in hearing your proposal. But when they give you permission, they're now saying, it's okay to sell to me. So ask that permission question. And then once they say, yes, tell me, what are the ways that we could work together? This is now you're in proposal phase and your job is to really stand in your place of credibility and recommend what you know they need, not what you think they can afford. And there's a difference between those mm-hmm. two things. Yeah, that's, that's huge because I think people are so quick to say that they can't afford something or that, you know, that they, it's too much money or this and that. But when you recommend what you, what did you say? Tell me that again so I can. So recommend what they need, Mm -hmm. not what you think they can afford. Okay. Yeah. Now, if they've been really candid with you and said, look, I'm looking to invest, you know, $500 a month in coaching, but really what they need is this like bigger package or they need this thing from you. It's totally okay to say, you know, my recommendation based on what you've shared with me would be this other package. This package is this price. I do have something that we could step down that would meet your budget. However, you're going to be giving up this, this, and this. So you tell me which of those two options is a better fit for you. Most people are going to be like, well, I want everything. Or if the fact of the matter is they really only have that limited amount of money, then they might start with that kind of entry place with you. And that might be okay if that's all they can afford. But at least I've planted the seed that there is a way for them to get this other thing with me. Now, only recommend, again, what they need. Don't go out of integrity and be like, you know, I have this $30,000 offer, but really what they need is a $5,000 offer. Like you're out of integrity if you're recommending a $30,000 package. But if they really do need the $30,000 package and they really only have $5,000 to spend, it's okay to say, here's the option that's going to get you everything you want. It's $30,000. 
I do have a step down that's going to get us part of the way there or is going to give you some of the things you're asking for. And that's the $5,000 option. Of those two, which would you like to hear more about? That's me issuing like next up language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the way you put it too, because every time you say it, it's like, I, and on this call, I'm like, yeah, tell me more, Nikki. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> tell me more about that package. But then I guess the, the, the flip side of that too, is if you get to that place where you, you've been thinking that this is moving in the right direction, you issue the invitation and, and it doesn't necessarily go like you're thinking like, this is an ideal client and it doesn't go to lead towards that sale or them signing the proposal. How do you, how do you handle that? So if it, for instance, if I say to them, you know, I have these two packages, this 30,000, this 5,000, which, which one are you interested in hearing more about? And they go, I think I need time to think about this. I'm not, you know, I'm not really in a place right now to make a decision. Then I always, in that case, will say to me, that's the, like, I need to think about it kind of response. So, and it's a really common response when you're selling for someone to legit need some time to think mm -hmm. about it or talk to their spouse or whatever they want to do. And I always honor those moments with people. And I always say, great, about how much time do you think you need? Let's go ahead and schedule a circle back call. That way I can answer any additional questions that come to mind for you. And then we can talk about best next steps for working together. Now, most of the time people will schedule a circle back call with me. I just had one last week. She was like, yeah, I don't think I'm ready to schedule another call. Like I'll let you know, I definitely want to do something with you, but I don't know what it is. And then in those cases, I kind of, again, I kind of bless and release because I don't chase a lot of clients. I don't believe in chasing clients. So what I said to her is I'd love to work with you. Here's the ways for next steps. If something else comes up, you're welcome to reach out to me at any point And I'll look forward to hearing from you when you're ready. Cause now I'm moving on. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to chase her. She's not willing to schedule a circle back call with me. So whether she's in it or isn't, it's not my job now to like get her to make a decision. It's my job to give her the information, make it easy for her to make a decision, make it easy for her to take the next step. And if she's not willing to schedule the circle back call, like she's not going to hear from me again, other than stuff that I set out in my newsletter. And if she wants to listen to my podcast or whatever, but I'm not going to chase after her. Yeah, that's such a good piece of advice too, because I think sometimes we can get hung up on and then going into those like rabbit holes of like, well, they must not have thought I was good enough. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm second guessing what I'm doing. So I love how you, you lay it out there, you give that to them and then you can kind of move on and maybe she will, maybe she won't, but you can't, it's not on you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I hope that she will come back. I know I can help her. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, Maybe she had sticker shock when we talked pricing. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm willing to at least always offer the circle back call. And like I said, most people will take me up on a circle back call and then we get on the call and they might have a question or two. And then usually it leads to us working together. Sometimes they'll schedule a circle back call and the day before the call, they'll cancel because they've decided they're not ready to work with me. And all of those things I'm totally okay with because my job is to just make it easy for them to make a decision. Yes or no. We're in or out. My job is not to be like, but wait, you need me. And if you don't hire me, your life's going to fall apart. Like that's, that's, well, first of all, that's just not how I sell. Right. And you know, I just believe that people will make the right decision for them in the moment. And my job is to just make it super easy for them to decide. So good. So, so good. Well, the last question I would have for you would be just like any quick tips, getting over those fears of getting on calls. If, if 
you know, getting on a call and feeling like you're selling or you're not sure what's just one kind of surefire way to feel like you can get on a call and you can totally rock it. And whether they say yes or no to hiring you, you can still feel like walking away feeling good about yourself. Well, one of the things is remember that the sales process is a conversation. And so your job is to not just talk at somebody. Your job is to talk with somebody. And if you're not sure what to say or you're feeling less confident, start asking questions because questions lead to really great discussion. So start asking questions and never, ever be afraid to ask somebody to take the next step with you because oftentimes our brains are so overloaded with decisions that we have to make all the time that we don't think about, do I want to hire this person or not? And so most people won't decide to hire you or not until you actually issue that invitation. So be willing to issue the invitation and be willing to take it in, whatever they say, whatever response they have. And um, I guess one last thing, I think you told me to say one thing and now I've said like three, but one last thing I'll say is that in sales, a no is not rejection. There is a difference between rejection and a no. And, you know, somebody's like hanging up and saying, don't ever call me again. Like, take me off your list. I hate you. That's rejection. But most people saying like, no, I feel like this isn't the right time for me or no, I'm going to focus on some other area of my life right now. That isn't personal. It's not that they're rejecting you. It's just the time isn't right. So oftentimes when somebody says no to me, my brain just says, not yet. <laughs> like I always assume people are going to come back and hire me mm-hmm. at some point. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said more than just one because that last one was so good because that's, okay, good. it's a hard one. Rejection is, it's hard. And I think that I feel like being an entrepreneur, like since I've left my teaching job, like I've felt like I've met more rejection than, than I have, you know, I think like things are easy and then you get into being an entrepreneur and you're like, Oh my gosh, like I'm hearing no left and right. But I think it's, it's just a part of the process. And like you said, it's not a no, it's not a attack on your character. It's not, you're not good enough for me. It's just a not yet. Maybe there's something else going on with them and you can't put that on yourself. Like you're not enough. So I love that you said that. Okay, good. I will also say just one more thing about the no is that we all have what's known as a convincer strategy and a convincer strategy is a certain number of times we have to say no to something before we say yes. It's context specific. So in some areas of your life, you like, you hear something and you say yes or no right away and then that's it. But other times you'll say no to things a few times before you're like, oh, maybe I do want this. And then it gets to the yes. And so that's why I say the not yet is because oftentimes we just haven't hit their convincer strategy yet and that's okay. And there's ways for people to stay engaged with you and stay in your community. I have people oftentimes that will like be on my list for two years before they'll hire me. Something I did at some point hit their convincer strategy, but I have to issue invitations constantly. I have to get some of those no's in order to get to the yes, Mm -hmm. because we don't know, is it, Is it two times? Is it three times? Is it four times? For some people, it might be 12 times. They have to say like, nope, not interested in this offer from Nikki before they get to that place where they're like, hmm, you know, I think I'm ready. I'm ready to dive in. I'm ready to say yes. Would you say that's the same thing as far as like, not necessarily just issuing the invitation, but like, as far as maybe like seeing your content, like maybe seeing something that you, like if you're getting on Instagram stories and talking about something like seeing that, is that part of that strategy too? Yes, that's a totally 100% part of that convincer strategy. And this is why, like, if you see an ad on Instagram and then maybe you, like, stop 
and then all of a sudden it shows up in your feed multiple times, right? Mm -hmm. It's because they're trying to hit your convincer strategy. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many things I've like then decided after seeing it for 20 times, like maybe I should look into this and see what are the reviews on this product? You know, I've had products where they've shown them in my Facebook feed where my initial reaction, the first time I ever saw it was like, that is a ridiculously dumb idea. Nobody's going to buy that. That's so stupid. And by the 20th time, I'm like, you know what? I think I might actually be able to use that. They just hit my convincer strategy. Mm -hmm. Now, whether I buy it or not, that's a different like piece of like earning the business. But yeah, so don't be afraid to continue to put yourself out there. Stand in your credibility. Talk about the things over and over and over again that make you, you and your business, your offer. Like I always think like at some point people are going to say like, stop talking about buying signals, Niggy, or stop talking about the selling staircase because I think I talk about it all the time. But somebody who's hearing it for the first time might be like, oh, hmm, the selling staircase. And then they hear about it some more and they hear about it or they see it in a new way. Maybe they see the book that I wrote about it or whatever it is. Then pretty soon they're like, I think I'm going to buy that book. And then pretty soon it's like, I think I'm actually going to hire Nikki and do a coaching session with her. But that's just that convincer strategy over and over and over again to get to that place where they're ready for the yes. You had said that on the call that we had with the mastermind. And I, that was, I like starred that a million times because it's so easy to get caught up in that first no and being like, oh, okay, like I'm going to give, you know, give up. But then it's like, no, they, and it, it applies so many times. And you said about like a Facebook ad, that just happened to me. There's a Facebook ad for a, gel polish or like a dip polish removal and it's like safe you can do it at home and I'm like that's silly and then like it keeps showing up in my feet I'm like I don't even have nail polish on but I'm like maybe I need that in case in case I ever do get dip nails or gel nails like I might need that (laughs) totally I mean that's exactly that's exactly the thing so companies know this right Mm -hmm. and this is why they see this so we are companies too as as entrepreneurs we are companies too and we have to follow some of that same process of just continuing to put ourselves in front of people who are just kind of getting exposed to us. This is why, you know, you don't always need to go right in for the sale on the first time of meeting somebody or the first time connecting with somebody either, because, you know, we've got to establish some things. We've got to create some curiosity. We've got to like move people through the process. Mm -hmm. Now, before we like wrap all up and I do like my last little ending questions, um, I'm going to ask you to link to your freebie because I know you have a great freebie for my listeners and then places that they can connect with you. Okay, great. So there's a couple ways. I do have the freebie, which is my book called Closing the Sale. I I dig a little bit deeper into that discovery proposal and close and give some language suggestions in there. So to get that, just go to your sales maven, M-A-V-E-N.com forward slash mom, M-O-M. So lowercase, super easy, your salesmaven.com forward slash mom. And then to connect with me, you can connect on my website, yoursalesmaven.com. You can find me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram under Your Sales Maven. Um, I have a podcast called Sales Maven Podcast. <laughs> you can listen to me there. And I also do selling strength assessments for somebody. If you're not sure about your strengths as far as sales and you want some time and go through my process and hear some of those questions that I ask, that's another service that I offer. And you can schedule those by just going to the website and scheduling, put in your contact that you want to do a selling strength assessment and I'll send you the link and super easy. Awesome. And we'll link all that up in the show notes. So it'll be easy to click and grab. Well, this has just been so great. I know that Elizabeth has said this when we have our mastermind, like every time, even though I've, you know, heard you speak a couple times now, you just get another extra nugget. You're just so full of knowledge. So I'm just so happy that you were able to come on today. 
Thank you for having me. Yeah. So two quick questions before we wrap up. These are just, I love to give my listeners something tangible to walk away with, to have. Um, the first one is what is a good book that you have read that you would recommend? Ooh, I love books. I'll tell you right now, because of what's going on in our world, mm-hmm. I'm reading the book, Me and White Supremacy by um, Layla Sayed. S-A-A-A-D. I'm not sure if I'm saying her name. Mm-hmm. So that's been super interesting. For a business book, like one of my favorites, and I actually read it a couple of years ago, but I still talk about it. I love it. It's <laughs> called Uncopyable. I love that book. I I'm trying to think who it is now. Um, and he talks about in there, oh gosh, I should know the name of the author, but he talks about stealing genius. It's so great. So that's a good business book. Mm, I'm going to have to add that to my audible list. I think I was looking for a book. I have, you know, my new credit that comes and I'm like, I got to find a good book to add to my list. So that sounds really interesting. Uncopyable. Yeah. Um, And then the last one would be if there is a podcast that you're, you've been listening to, it, it can be business, it can be personal, it could be just like fun to kind of unwind. Is there a podcast that you would recommend? I love podcasts. So again, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so many. <laughs> um, Lindsay Johnson, who is somebody I know, she just launched a podcast called Legacy Entrepreneur. And she is um, a specialist when it comes to like copywriting and things mm-hmm. like that. And I think Lindsay, she has this really soft, beautiful voice. And so I, I think it just sucks you in. So I would say Legacy Entrepreneur would be oh, one that I would recommend. Awesome. Two great ones that I haven't heard. So uncopyable and then that legacy entrepreneur. I love that. Well, again, thank you so much, Nikki, for coming on and sharing everything. You have just been so amazing. Thank you. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you would leave me a review on iTunes and share this episode in your Instagram stories and tag me. By sharing and reviewing, you can help spread the message so we can reach more entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their business to new heights. I will see you in the next episode.